Welcome to the Christian Coach Podcast, where our mission is to serve coaches through conversations so they can lead like Jesus. I'm Jen Lemmy, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chad Simpson. Hey, Chad. Hey, Jen. Chad, today's guest was a recommendation by a former guest, Clint Schumacher, who is also who is a lawyer and a football coach in Texas. Um, and he recommended Steve Hayes to come on the podcast. Literally right after we interviewed him, uh, Clint, I said, hey, can you give me some names? And he was like, you have to talk to Steve Hayes. Um, and so he, Steve was on our list for season two um, from the beginning. And I'm so glad we, we, we got to talk to him. Yeah, this, this was so good. Um, you know, as you listen to some of these, you can just tell when, when uh, the coach is, is a good coach, but also a, a godly person. And you can just tell that Steve is both. And uh, a couple things just to, to look for in this interview. Um, how Steve uh, utilizes parents and, and the relationship with parents to help his program and growth of his players. Um, he also talks about why he wants his players to be dangerous and good. And then just that question, Coach, if, if you're thinking through um, your life's calling, where you want to serve, um, he, he has uh, some questions to, to really make you think, uh, is there a better place to train, influence, and disciple young people than coaching? If you can find that, then go do that. But if not, stay in coaching. And that's why Coach Steve Hayes is still a coach. And uh, we're just so excited for this interview. Well, let's just get into it right now. Coach Steve Hayes, thank you so much for coming on the Christian Coach Podcast. Our first question is always, what does it mean to you to be a Christian coach? You know, the reason I, I got into coaching was because of my faith. I became a Christian uh, as a 16-year-old junior in high school. And and when I when I did, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, and so I wasn't familiar with the gospel and, and the impact that it has on a life until I gave my life to Christ. And when I made the decision to do it, I, I was very serious about my commitment. And and I think I'm very blessed in, in that attitude and that God began to define who I was and give me an identity. Uh, uh, there very much involves living out my calling as a coach. I feel like it's a calling, uh, not a job or profession. And and honestly, if I could find a better way to disciple and raise leaders uh, in males, uh, I think I would do it. Uh, I just think sports is the best avenue right now in our day and age to be able to do that with, with young men. And so it's been a, been a great life. I have a lot of fun doing it. And, yeah. and uh, doing it with a game of football has been especially fun. Um, what, why do you think sports is so powerful when it comes to shaping you know kids characters and and um and and instilling good knowledge you know uh, i worked in, in college at a church as a youth director and I, I really that's when i came to the decision that i needed to coach because as a youth director you know i'd have the kids for maybe 45 minutes to an hour a week and there wasn't a lot of of dy group dynamic purposes and in coaching when you have a common purpose and a common goal for a large group of people you really can elicit a lot of growth a lot of training in that group because they're working towards something that they need each other to accomplish and that they're passionate about as athletes and so you know just just that breeding ground is is a great place to teach a lot of life lessons and if you're teaching lessons in faith even even more so as far yeah. as loving one another and and uh, having discipline and and, and just making good choices and the long-term results and effects of those choices. And so it really was kind of an evolution of, of, you know, how can I best use my life's callings in a way to make a difference? And I, I found an avenue where this common purpose of winning games and winning championships really created an atmosphere and an opportunity to pour into kids in a whole lot of different ways. And, and, and I think that really 
uh, is why, you know, I said initially that if there was a better way to grow leaders and to grow men, I would do it. But, but just this, this, uh, the way sports lends itself to it, it makes it very simple. Yeah, I think uh, sports automatically puts you in situations where you do have to have interpersonal relationships, you know, right. even right. even if it's an individual sport like tennis, what I coach, you know, right. Um, right. It, you have to have a coach in or you have to have a trainer or anything. It, right. And it puts you in situations where you fail or when you have incredible success and, it, and you, and you got to use those opportunities to, to teach um, yeah. how to handle those moments the best way possible. And, you know, I think it's important as a coach to, you know, a lot of people say that athletics grow character. And I think that's that's a fallacy. Uh, if that were the case, our professional athletes with some of the highest. High <laughs> uh, Everyone would be Tim Tebow if that was true. Right, right. I, I think it provides opportunities to teach specific things that you intentionally teach. You know, if we're a good tackling team, it's because we do a really good job of teaching tackling and, and growing that. And if our, we're a team that has a lot of uh, a lot of kids that display integrity and high character, is because we're very intentional in teaching our kids those things. And, yeah. and so it provides opportunities. But as coaches, I think it's your responsibility to lead in those ways. And to make sure that you capitalize on those opportunities, it doesn't just happen arbitrarily. Yeah, yeah, you got to take that intentionality of, of actually, right. you know, sports provides you the setting. You got to go over right. there and take advantage right. of it. Right. And that's, I think, sometimes parents are like, oh, I just need to get my kids in sports. Well, right. true, but got to make sure that the coach is a, right. is a good is a good coach. You better better pick a good leader to put your kids under, and then trust Correct. them. Because if not, that can ruin them too. You know. Right. I agree. Yeah. You're very powerful. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, you, you said you, you, you gave your life to Christ at 16. What was that? What was what was happening in your life at that time? And why did you decide to accept Christ? Um, you know, I, I, I had a set of circumstances where I um, had an absent father, uh, really poor example. Um, and and I chose to go the opposite way in, in terms. I was really driven. I was an incredibly good student and, and a, a good athlete. Uh, and had a lot of success in those areas. And so I was very independent and self-dependent. And so I had, a, had some friends in high school, which uh, is such a, a cool story, that had just decided over a period of about two and a half years that, that I was going to know the gospel and have an opportunity to know Christ and work very diligently to present that to me. And, and honestly, I think what, what got me was that, that if, if the gospel was right, I desperately needed it, no matter how independent I was. And and there came a moment where I was like, you know what, I, I need to get this question answered. You know, you know, God, if you're real, I want to know you. If you're not real, I want to be free uh, from this doubt and be able to live the life the way I think I should live it. And, and God, in, and in some incredible ways over about a three-month period, revealed himself to me and, and just revealed how much he loved me. And, and that, in fact, he was uh, my heavenly father. And my life's never been the same. It, it's just I'm, I'm so grateful for my friend's persistence in praying for me and living out a life that that modeled Christ and, and their own willingness to to let me go to hell. Yeah. Um, the um, most, most kids, and we see this very often in coaching and um, when, when there is the absent father, people do go the opposite way than you did. Um, right. You know, it, it's very hard for them to stay disciplined and, and committed and, and, mm -hmm. and follow through with decisions. Right. Why do you think you went, the the right way and you know in quotation marks what how how did you were you stay to how were you able to um still develop you know, I, I, that's that's a great question and i think before i found christ in a reason for living my life purposefully in the, in the right way i think it was motivated more by anger 
and that I, I didn't like my dad. I didn't like the life that he led. I didn't like what he did to our family. And so I was going to do everything to be exactly the opposite of him. Um, where now I have a heavenly father that I'm striving to do things exactly like he does it. And that really is the, the flip of the gospel. And so, you know, uh, my dad had, had a lot of substance abuse issues and a lot of, a lot of character issues. And so I just made up my mind, you know what, I'm, 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 I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to do drugs. And, you know, what was funny is, is before I became a Christian, I had a lot of the attributes of a Christian and that, that I was very driven. I, I didn't drink. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't use profanity. I tried really hard to be a good person. Uh, because I saw that my dad really wasn't, and I didn't like him. Uh, when I found Christ, I got a lot of freedom for that and was allowed him to to be my goodness now and just to live a life uh, expressing my gifts through loving the Father and, and hopefully making a difference through kids' lives. Yeah. Well, thanks for being vulnerable and uh, and sharing. That, yeah. that This is a great segue for, for my next question is, you know, we, we will get – we never we, – we know who the background of the players that we get, but – we might not know the extent of the background and, and, and the deep hurt that they come with when they arrive on our programs. Um, yeah. How can we be effective uh, mentors for these kids? Um, are there things that you've done um, in your coaching career that, that you've seen work consistently in order to, to touch those kids' lives and show them that maybe their past doesn't define who they are, um, their past um, doesn't um, doesn't give them their identity at that moment as well. Right. You know, that, that, that's a, that's, that's a big part of what we do. And I think, you know, a lot of times people coach and communicate just in the way that their personality dictates. And I, and I think that that really reveals a lack of confidence in a coach. I think that you have to learn how other people communicate and you have to learn how to communicate in their language. Uh, and I think each kid's different. And I think their language is developed by their past experiences and what they bring to the table when they show up every day. Uh, and I think a highly competent coach understands that, spends some time diagnosing uh, the, the, the kid that he's working with and then figure out a ways to, to come back and, and meet that kid where he's at uh, and coach that kid where he's at. And sometimes that involves using other players. Uh, sometimes it involves using other coaches. I think it's a team effort when you're working with a kid. And it also involves, I think, uh, for us, partnering with parents. Uh, our parents are highly involved in our program. We meet individually with them a couple times a year for about an hour just discussing their kid, their kid's progress, their kid's goals, and the next steps we need to take to accomplish those goals. And then we have follow-ups to that as well. And so, you know, I, I, it's exciting to be in a K-12 through place because you can really create a long roadmap from young to, to graduation of where a kid can be in, in six years uh, and, and it's a lot of fun working with the parents to do that. Um, yeah, it's a great life. I mean, I think, I think people that really devote themselves to it. Uh, I think the other thing too, with, with today's athlete, I think the very first thing you have to do is gain their trust. I think there's a, there's a lot of kids that come from backgrounds that cultivate, uh, uh, mistrust. And, and I think in order to do that, you have to genuinely care about them. It's hard to get a person to trust you if they don't genuinely know that you care about them. And that takes time. That takes being in relationship with a kid, I get you to know a kid outside the sport, uh, and, and and to not have a transactional relationship with that kid. I mean, if the only value of that kid to you is is what he can do for you on the team as far as wins and losses, you're not going to build a great trust relationship with him, and you're not going to elicit the, the 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 potential of that kid. Uh, and to me, what's more important is to is to create their potential for life. Honestly, we want to create young men that we shoot out into the world as sharp arrows that change the world and, and model Christ. And it's more desperately needed now more than ever. But one of our core values is this idea of being dangerous and good. We want to, we want to grow men that are dangerous and good. And we want to send them into the world uh, on that mission of living out their faith in a way that's dangerous and good. Cause I think our father 
is dangerous and good. I, I don't think he's he's weak. He's meek. Uh, he he stands and fights for the for the defenseless, for the weak, uh, and those that can't fight for themselves. He fights for injustice. And I want our kids to the sport of football to learn that they are men who have what it takes, and and they've been called to do the same. Yeah, I I was in a groups coaching one time, not a Christian groups coaching, but talking about punishments and how do you mm-hmm. handle those things. And one coach asked the other who had been there for, or, you know, coaching for a very long time. And he was a track coach and mm-hmm. the coach asked him and said, you know, you know, when, you know, how many times is too many opportunities, how many times to fix, you know, a player. And he right. said, you know, how fast does he run the mile? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know if I agree with that guy. You know, I think, yeah. you know, it's, you, you, you got to set some standards, you, you know, you got to build a culture of excellence, regardless if, if the person is Usain Bolt or if the person is just a, a scrub right. off the street, uh, if they're on the right. same team that, you know, they should be judged by the same values. But uh, it's, right. a, it's what, what you just said. I think it's been intentional and in getting to know those players and, um, and, and teaching them that their excellence is good, you know, and that right. excellence right. should be pursued. Yeah. Um, Another part of that is, you know, you have a football team and so you, you have hundreds of players maybe or, or so college definitely have hundreds of players. Mm-hmm. And, and so a lot of the relationship building falls on an assistant coaches, you Correct. know, their position, position coaches, um, because then they only have 10 to 15 players. Um, how my I have a two parter. Um, okay. First one, how do you in- uh, empower your assistant coaches to take charge um and 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 second how are you able to um develop them those assistant coaches not hinder them um so that they feel free enough to um to to be your messengers to to those players does that make sense yep it does okay. you know we we i have very very high expectations for the coaches on our staff but I also understand that you cannot have high expectations if you don't resource those expectations. It's unfair to ask somebody to do something and not equip them to do it. And so uh, we spend a lot of time um, growing our coaches uh, in our culture, how to communicate our culture uh, and, and how to work with kids in regards to that. We have six tenets to our culture. And I know this ties into something that we're going to talk in later on, but, but our coaches, I firmly believe, you know, what the old Testament says about being a leader and that when, when, when the Israelites asked for a king, God had two requirements for a king. And that was that he pick them and that he have a handwritten copy of the law. And so each one of our coaches, if they're going to lead their groups, creates a handwritten copy of our core values and our mission statement. Uh, and then goes through some training that we do. Um, we use a lot of Focus 3 stuff, Brian and Tim Kite, yep. uh, their format and their platform. And, and how to relationship and build trust with kids and, and get them to a place where they can have a high expectations for them. And so we spend the time equipping our coaches with the message and how to deliver the message and how to model the message and how to coach and enforce the message. And then we expect them to do that. And each coach has a family group that uh, uh, they're responsible for. Uh, we have 10 varsity coaches. And so each coach has about nine kids in his family group in the high school level. Uh, and they're responsible to make sure that their group uh, knows the culture, lives the culture, uh, and, and understands the expectations of the culture. And, and really their groups uh, living out of it is a reflection of them and uh, what they're accountable for. And so I would never ask them to do that if I didn't take time to grow the culture in them and to live it out myself. And so my coaches are kind of my family group yeah. and kids are their family group. And ultimately what's happened now 
uh, in the year and a half that I've been back is that our kids now are leaders in our culture as well. And they're, they're pouring that into our middle school kids and teaching the culture. And so we have another, another level of extension now that I think is really going to um, uh, reap a lot of rewards in our boys in the next couple of years um, yeah. as we down into the lower grades. And, and practically speaking, it already helps them as they come to high school. They already know what the culture is like and that makes that transition much easier. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I had another coach talking about, you know, how he coaches the coaches and the coach and then this, the, this, the um, position coaches go to the players and have those groups. And he talked to, talked about being a uh, pyramid scheme for good. <laughs> no, we're, we're limited as to the number of people that we can impact. And so you have to create evangelists uh, who will take that sure. message out. You know, one of the other things that we do as well that's pretty neat is we have a uh, culture training for our parents and we teach our parents how to grow our culture in the community. Um, and we also do that by position. And so uh, my, my assistant coaches work with the parents of their position group in going through that parent dangerous and good training. We call it dangerous and good parent training. Uh, and we teach our parents how to be dangerous and good parents, which, you know, I think, I think is really a missing piece for a lot of people because, you know, you don't know just naturally how to, how to navigate your child through athletics. You know that you yeah. want them to have a great experience and you love for them to be successful. But what does that look like? And I think as coaches, we could do a lot by partnering with our parents rather than holding them at arm's length uh, and helping them to understand, okay, this is what it looks like. Here's how you can help your kid be the best. This is how communication should look. Uh, and, and this is what you can expect from us. And this is what we expect from you. And, and that includes even conversations in the stands. What happens if they see somebody that, that uh, breaks a program window and how we repair it, how we restore those relationships. And I think all those things are, you know, we have high expectations for our programs and what we want. It takes a lot of training at every level to see those things manifested. People have to know what you expect and they have to know how to carry out those expectations. And we want to do that even at the parent and community level as well. Yeah, that's that's phenomenal because I think I coach a college and mm -hmm. and a lot of coaches that I talk to don't want to even deal with parents, right? Because right. you got the umbrella parent and you know right. they're just helicopter parent, all different names of parents now, um, and and they even you know and and I'm like I don't think so, you know they're sending at least in my case they're sending their daughter to to a different place for four years. Um, right. I feel like I, I, I owe them something, you know, I, I owe them the respect and, and I need yeah. to explain to them what I'm all about, what the program is all about and get them to buy in because that will make my recruiting job much easier, right? If the parents right. are chirping on the, this recruits here, you know, oh, wow, Liberty coach reached out to me and all this, and instead of, no, I only talk to the player, she's an adult and those 18 year olds are not adults. <laughs> Nope. And, and so nope. even in your case, you know, 14, 15 year olds are um, not not close to being adults. Well, and what you find out is there's, you know, there are every now and then there's a crazy parent. But more than more often than not, there's a lot of really, really good parents out there that can be really, really good leaders for your program. If you just give them an opportunity. And I think uh, for as coaches, if we're not careful. We let one bad parent keep us from utilizing the opportunity to create a lot of good friendships and, and good leadership opportunities with the vast majority of good parents. Yeah. I think that also goes, the, my, my next question is, you know, culture building, right? And you talked about culture training for parents. Right. Well, what right. are some practical steps that you've used in the past or you currently use that maybe a new coach coming in, taking over a program for the first time um, can do right away in order to start building that foundation so that then later they can build upon it? 
you know, I'm sure it's probably said been said on this podcast many times by other people, but you know, your culture is what your kids and coaches do. It's not what's on a piece of paper. And, and, you know, I think first and foremost, as a head coach, you have to define for yourself what good culture looks like. And so you have to know when you're looking at your coaches and your teams, whether or not they're living out a culture that you want to have in your program. If you can't even identify, hey, you know what, that's good culture, that's bad culture, because you haven't defined it for yourself, that's your starting point. You know, what, how should my players treat each other? How should my players compete? How should my coaches interact with kids? How should my coaches, all those things that, that uh, define success. And I think a lot of times we don't take the time to do it. We just jump in feet first and, and work hard and expect things to happen. And, and we don't have a really well-defined direction what that should look like. Yeah. Our, culture, our culture here at TCA is, you know, number one, we're going to be dangerous and good. Number two, we want kids and coaches that are standard chasers, not rule followers. I'm not interested in rule followers. And you, know, you talked about a kid that struggles and doesn't you know, have a right attitude, whatever. To me, we don't wake up in the morning saying, I want to be average. I don't think God's placed in our heart that, that we want to wake up and be average. I think he's placed greatness in the heart of, of all of our, our kids. And I think it's how he's created us because he's created us in his image. And so if a kid is not striving for that greatness, we've got to find out what's happened. What wounds have they received? What negative experiences and beliefs have they developed? Somewhere along the way, they believe they can't be great. And we need to get that fixed. Because once you get that fixed, if they're self-motivated to be a standard chaser, you don't have to work. You don't, you don't even have to have rules. Because a standard chaser is never late. They're early. A standard chaser is never doesn't they work hard because they want to be great. And so to get into kids, this idea that, that, you know, God's placed eternity in your heart, this desire to be great. And you need to, first of all, believe that and embrace that and pursue it. And it solves a lot of problems. So we want to be standard chasers. Yeah. Can we I say one thing about that? Yeah, um, I think I've noticed recently is that the society has normalized um, not chasing greatness. They, they, they make it seem cool. You know, they show those athletes just sitting and not, you know, right. just laying around and it's cool to not care. It's right. like, Oh, I did terrible in that test. Who cares? You know? And right. instead of crying because you did terrible on the test, you know? Right. Uh, right. Yeah. It's a great point. I, I think, I think uh, average is encouraged and, and uh, we're going to fight that. <laughs> Stand for that. Uh, you know, we want to bring honor to our yeah. families, our faith, our school and our team. That's about that, that name that we play for. Uh, we want to have great attitudes. We, we take a term from the, the focus free training. We don't have BCD. We don't blame, complain, defend. We take responsibility and we fix it. And we're not afraid to fail because we don't, because failure is an opportunity uh, to grow. And, and, and so, you know, we really reward people uh, on our team that put themselves out there and try to do things that maybe they've never done before. And we celebrate whether they, they triumph or fail. And then we evaluate what they need to do to get over the next step. And, and um, it's a huge part of what we do. We give great enthusiastic effort. Uh, effort's everything and it's a choice. And then finally, we're tough. We really believe that, now I believe toughness is one of the most important qualities a human being can have in living out their life. And by toughness, I mean, I'm not gonna give up until I accomplish what God's placed in my heart, period. And that doesn't mean I'm not going to fail. That doesn't mean I'm going to have to get up a hundred times, but if I have to get up a hundred times, I'm going to get up and I'm going to keep pushing until I accomplish what he's placed in my heart to accomplish. Whether that's the outcome of a game, uh, a vision for life an identity that he's given me to cure cancer, whatever. Uh, because, you know, as coaches, you and I both know being around kids long enough, the kids that refuse to give up somehow find a way. Yeah. I've got a, I've got a seventh grade football player who's not a very good football player, but in his heart, he's decided he's not going to give up. And he's going to work his butt off until uh, he, he gets his goals. And by their senior year, they become great football players for us uh, simply because 
they're tough. And so, yeah. man, we really, really preach toughness in that context. It's not a toughness that we're going to bully people uh, or we're going to, we're, we're going to, you know, knock somebody's head off. It's a toughness of, Hey, you know what, this is what I want. And I'm not backing down. And, yeah. and, uh, and I, and I think that's such an incredible uh, virtue for our kids to have. And I think that's what faith is. I think faith says, I don't see it, but I believe it. And so I'm going to pursue it until I get it. And uh, I think that's how we teach our kids to live life faithfully. Yeah. At football is a little easier to teach that, that kind of toughness, but I think right. society has, has told Christians that we're supposed to be soft, that we're supposed right. to be just take it and suffer well. Right. Um, and it is true. We're supposed to suffer well because we have hope in Christ and in, right. in our future there, but, but we're not supposed cool. to just take all of this without fighting back. And I think right. I became, I became a Christian in college. Um, right. And that was one of the first things I, I equated being a Christian with was, Oh, I can't, scream anymore or i can't show any negativity or i can't on the court you know and and i had a few players that that were christians and a little older than i and coaches that said no god gave you emotions for a reason um you you, you're allowed to express them as long as you're not you know you're not defaming god and not not you know just being a completely idiot um i think you you know you you fight like crazy I think, I think from a coaching standpoint, you know, one of the things that I've learned in the years that I've coaching is to never coach from a, from a perspective of fear. I mean, if, if you're coaching because you're afraid of losing or you're afraid of failing and the reflection it's going to have on you, you're never going to get your potential out of yourself or your kids. It's this idea that, hey, you know what, I've got what it takes and we're going to figure it out. And it may take a little longer than I wanted it to, but we're going to figure it out. And the kids have what it takes and they're going to figure it out too. And we're going to do the work. And I think once you make up your mind that you're going to get the outcome that you want and you're willing to do the work that it takes, the rest kind of falls into place. It, it kind of works itself out and you learn some incredible lessons al- along the way. And so going back to my original point that yeah. we, were saying, we started this question, you know, it's very easy for me to look at my kids and know whether or not we're living out their culture. If they're walking around and they're complaining because it's hot, no, we're not living out the culture and we need, we need to find a, a hotter time of day to practice until we figure it out. And if they're walking, you know, if, if they're not persevering till the end, no, we're not being tough here. Uh, we know what the outcome should be and we're not fighting for that. And then we address that and we're very intentional in addressing that. But if I didn't know what our culture was, then I wouldn't know how to address it. And I could come up with a plan for that. And so I think for coaches out there that, that are really trying to create a culture, I think the first thing you got to do is figure it out. Cause once you figure it out, it's really easy to evaluate, and, and, and strategize how to implement it. Yeah. And from my experience, they keep it as simple as possible, right? right. So, then, so that you can verbalize it consistent, constantly, right. constantly. Right. I, I heard another quote say, if, if your kid can't, if your kid can't repeat your culture to you, correct. Our, our exactly. kids, know we don't BCD and they know we're tough and they, they know dangerous. We break on dangerous every time we break. And so, you know, if, if it's too complicated, they can't do that. They can't remember a bunch of stuff. Correct. Yeah. Right. I, uh, I heard a coach say that if the coach, if the players can't mock you by imitating you, then you're doing a terrible job. Right. <laughs> so true. You're exactly right. You're right. Um, uh, coach, thank you so much for, for taking the time to be in here. Um, how can we be praying for you? You know, I, I just think, I think it's a prayer for all leadership right now. I think it's really tough to lead well. Um, I think there's a lot of attack on leadership right now, especially godly leadership. Uh, it's, it's never been, uh, I think, more at the forefront of our, our culture in America right now. And, and I, I, what the great thing about it is, you know, real quickly where everybody stands, where before sometimes it wasn't clear. But I, I just, you know, we used to pray that the leaders in our country and the leaders of our athletic programs uh, are, are courageous and strong in their stand for what's right and to not back down. Uh, that, that, that we would have a, 
just a, a revival of dangerous and good because now more than ever. Yeah. All right. Let's pray. Yeah. Dear Jesus, um, Lord, thank you that, that you're in control of our lives, that um, we've put faith in you, Lord, that, that we know that you, you know what's best for us. You know what our next steps are going to be, Father, even when we don't. Um, Lord, I pray um, for the leaders um, in their, as small as our communities, our, our athletic programs, high schools, universities, businesses, um, you know, politicians. Lord, I pray that um, the, the, the right leaders will lead well, that, that you put Christian leaders in a position where they can shape our world, Lord, to, in a way that, that honors you and, and brings you glory, Father. Um, Lord, it's a, it's, a, it's a great time to be alive because we can be great witnesses to this world, but it's also a hard time to be alive because so many things are shifting and um, you know, it sounds like, it looks like common sense is going away. Lord, I pray that, that, that the leaders who, who know you will, will, will not back down, that they'll stand up for what's right, stand up for, for the, the hurting um, and, and be able to be great representatives of you to everyone they come in contact with. Thank you again for Coach Hayes and his leadership um, and allow him to be in a position to impact young men um, for your kingdom. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Such a good interview from Coach Steve. Um, man, so so honored and blessed for him to come and share so much of his expertise. Uh, we could talk for, for 30 minutes of the things that we learned about this, but we'll just go for a minute or two. Um, but I think just that first thought on just the, the parental meeting, um, I think that was just such a, a wise point, partnering with his Christian school um, utilizing that and seeing, seeing the growth there. Um, and, and then just, uh, is there a better way to train, disciple, influence young people? You know, yeah. um, I just love that that's his heart. So if there's a better way, Lord, show me, I'll go do that. And if not, I'm just going to keep coaching and, and influencing people. So, yeah. um, so, so cool that he's doing that. Yeah. I love, I love the culture training for parents, you know, because I think as coaches, you're always talking to your kids about, Hey, this is, you know, this is what we're all about. This is how you communicate with other people about what we're all about. But sometimes we just forget about the parents and the parents, they're talking on the, on the stands for three hours, you know, in the football game. But if you're able to control the message that the parents are also, you know, selling and, and sending to other people, then your program will explode with success because then it's one unified message. And I really, I really like that. It takes me back to, I think it was like, was it, Odell Beckham Jr.'s dad that was bad mouthing uh, Baker Mayfield, you know, and these are pro players, like, and they're on the same team. And it's like, how petty is this, you know? But, and I'm not saying that the Browns head coach should talk to the parents of these athletes, you know, but that's just a huge thing of parents not being able to understand what the program that their kids are in is all about. Um, and Chad, I also liked how he talked about the fallacy of believing that sports automatically teaches character, you know, and he talked about if that was the case, then every professional athlete would have high character. And that like hit me with a, you know, ton of bricks in the face. I really, cause I was like, my kids need to play sports because that's going to teach them character, you know? And it's true if the leader of the team that your kids are in is of high character, cause if it's not, then guess what? Your kid is not going to develop that. Um, and, and I also liked when he talked about coaches need to be willing to speak the language that the players understand. Um, and sometimes I think we just 
we don't want to change and we just want to be about our comfort zone and how we communicate. And then our messages just fall to the wayside, you know? So I think like the work of Tim Elmore, who talks about the different generations and the generation gaps, um, those are, those are incredible to, to, to learn from because that's helped me, you know, why, when I graduated college and I went to coaching, I could easily just carry a conversation with my players, but now like, you know, they're talking about TikTok and they're telling me to do this. And I'm like, this is so stupid, but everyone laughs, you know, and it's just a different, different world that we're living in just 10 years after I graduated, Chad. For sure. And, and, you know, it's like the message cannot say, cannot change, you know, the gospel, yeah. the gospel yeah. remains the same yeah. word of God never changes. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm seeing already just uh, yeah. 11 or 12 years removed from college that, that young people are different than, than yeah. what you and I grew up with. And, uh, and yeah, we need to be able yeah. to speak one of language. One of Tim Elmore's habitudes, and if you guys are aware of Tim Elmore, but habitudes are images that help teach leadership skills. And one of his, it's like a, a water bottle. And, you know, back in the, you know, Old Testament, they still had to carry water from one place to another. And so they used different methods, you know, and then it came with buckets and now it's a plastic water bottle or a metal water bottle. So the message is the water, you know, it's still there. It needs to be carried to other people, but the way you carry that, that, that bottle, the, the means that you carry the water changes. And I think that's what we need to be aware of um, when met, you know, sharing the gospel as well as coaching these kids. Yeah. So good. And, and coach just, for, for you listeners, uh, you guys are just a, a blessing to us and you guys could help us just and spread the word. If you guys could post, rate, review, uh, tell word of mouth that this is adding value to your and your coaching career and into your heart, um, that would that would help this podcast uh, continue to, to function well and grow. And, uh, you know, we we um, we have uh, guests and, and and parents, people call us out on, on this um, as just a great reminder this is the way we end every podcast and g and i we, we need the reminder too and coach just remember that the mission field is right where you're at <laughs>